0: So I've been thinking, I think we start it as It's Just Cricket and not It's Just Not Cricket. So welcome to It's Just
1: Cricket, right? Is that fine? I mean, I'm still on the fence, (laughs) but I think I always (laughs) It's Just Cricket. It's Just Cricket. And then
0: it'll be It's Just Not Cricket later on. So welcome to episode five. (laughs) We have a little break, but we're back. Hello. Hello, Jamie. Oh, yeah. You all right?
1: Yeah, alright you. All right. Yeah.
0: We we've missed some crazy stuff in the in the world of cricket. Um obviously we're talking about the Pakistan Australia one day series which <laughs> everyone's been talking about.
1: Um I don't know. I think people are too hung up on the Papua New Guinea series from I don't think everyone's ever going to get
0: over that, yeah. yeah. And Papua New Guinea need to tour England in a full five test match series and then we'll take them seriously. I would genuinely love that. <laughs> we would get good competition to be fair that'd be good fun um so we'll go we'll, we'll i've got a little silly thing just to start off because i know that we do have a few listeners who are should we say noobs to cricket noobs or casuals or introduction to the game um and i was talking a little while ago with a few friends i played Dungeons and dragons with and having to try and explain the concept of cricket breaks so breaks in the game obviously in football you have a you know, a half time, and most sports you have a kind of little break just for you know players to recharge a bit and just, you know, you go do some stretches or whatever, things like that, chill out. Um, cricket's a bit more interesting because you can have a form of the game where you have two breaks, um, but the breaks involve food. So if you're talking about a test match, it's it's lunch and tea. <laughs> I and
1: mean, it's not Which... just that, is it? it's also drinks.
0: It's also drinks on every hour. So a normal day of cricket, if you're talking about a test match, which is the longest form of the day, which lasts five days, you will stop a numerous number of times, one for drinks, then for lunch, then drinks again, then you stop for tea, and then lunch again. Um, We've played cricket a, a, a small handful of times together. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember your tea experiences? You know what? I
1: remember being in the pavilion, but I don't remember about like, anything I ate or drank. I know for the first game I think it was it was away from the home ground wasn't it? It was. I think it was
0: Elmley Castle right. we were playing at.
1: Yeah. Like I remember being so nervous mm. for my first game. I don't know if I ate that much from tea because it was just so on edge and I wanted to do well. So I you know, I don't really remember any tea experience. <laughs> <laughs> cuz tea is tea is weird. I don't I, it's such a
0: weird thing cuz some days you'd be like, yeah, I can't wait for tea, it'd be great. But like I think there's times if you're batting first and then you've got to have tea before you go and field for another three hours, it's like great, I I'll maybe only have like one cucumber sandwich okay. and maybe a couple of ready salted crisps. But if you're batting second, it's like, oh, I'll treat myself a bit more, have a few little muffins. Um and then the captain sidles up and say, Oh, you're opening batting, and like, oh <laughs> It's like I I've never understood like the Not necessarily etiquette, but how much you're supposed to have at tea halfway through a Sunday (laughs) afternoon. Because you're absolutely, you feel sometimes you feel starving, but sometimes you're running off the adrenaline or whatever. And then, you know, maybe there's a bowl of pasta. You're like, oh, I have a lot lot of pasta. And you keep going back and there's just, there's so much. It has died down a little bit since kind of COVID and people are more encouraged to bring their own stuff now, which is kind of a shame, but also kind of isn't because the whole, the whole ordeal of teas and also preparing a tea is probably more terrifying
1: than playing an actual game um the amount of sandwiches and bread at at grassroots as well it seems a bit more redundant than like you know professional sport Mm. it's like the effort you're putting in isn't going to be nearly as much like some people might be going full throttle but in the games that i was experiencing i wouldn't Say so. Yeah, you, you. I think you remember a good tea. <laughs>
0: so it's always like, oh, you, you want to be going to certain grounds because they do a good tea. Hmm. You don't want someone who's like, the the worst ones is when they've just got a roll and you've got to grab all the ham or turkey or whatever or cheese and you've got to make the sandwiches yourself. I mean, what, what, what goodness me? What I, I've come to play cricket, not, to, not to make sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> um, I bet it's that it's...
1: really crappy, plasticky, thin bits oh, of ham I'm and done. turkey as well. Like.
0: Yeah, you and a sliced cheese. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such a bizarre concept. So I just wanted to like maybe next week we'll go into the next stage of cricket teas and what teas look like at the highest level because whenever England play at Lords, I annually will send you the menu for the day for what they're having at Lords and Lords is the prestige of crickets. <laughs> it's like literally called Lords, so yeah, that's, that shows really that cricket doesn't have a class problem. That um, they have <laughs> a. Um, <laughs> The, 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 you know, it's it's always going to be like some fancy fish or curries and everything in the middle of like this high intensity international sport. You're going to have this massive, I don't know, roast in the middle of the day. It's it's nonsense. I won't get my head around it. I still can't really understand it. So trying to explain that to someone the other day, having to explain tea and lunch, I don't know what it's for. It's obviously back in the day where it's oh we'll stop having a cup of tea and then that's a the cup of tea and a sandwich. Oh, you... And a cup of tea and a sandwich and a chicken wing.
1: <laughs> Is it that hard to explain though? Like just imagine someone's not playing cricket and mm. someone has some tea uh, or some lunch and then some tea. That's just normal. If you add planes... when you're
0: playing it's when you're playing physical sport and you you stop for forty minutes well, yeah, but like... to have a couple of sandwiches and then maybe some pasta and then some extra stuff and it just feels I, mean, I guess that you've got to stop for food. I guess that I guess makes sense, but the whole thing is just bizarre.
1: I mean, I think <laughs> the more you think about it, the more normal it is, which kind of makes it <laughs> even more abnormal. Yeah, I don't think that makes any sense. No, like I think just
0: trying to explain someone: you're playing, you're going out to play sport, but you're stopping once, maybe twice, to have food in the middle of a game is just I... <laughs> but if it was just like oh you're going to grab a couple of sandwiches or you've brought your own food that's fine but it's when you go into like a village hall and they've lined up two tables full of like a feast and it's like we're just here to play a bit of bat and ball, and here's this whole great hall feast of food um, nonsense um, but yeah I'll grab a couple of menus from Lords next week and we'll go through there full full throttle of teas and lunches. So I just wanted to I think from now on I might do a little kind of weird intricacies of cricket just for our new cricket fans. I think it might be quite fun. Yeah. I thought you were going to say a food um, blog and I was so up for that. Or maybe it's a food a cricket food blog, yeah. cricket tea blog. That'd be good. I like that. Um but we we'll talk about some little cricket briefly given the cricket podcast. Um so yeah, since we uh last recorded the final of the Women's World Cup has and past. Um, there's a lot of hype building up to this, I would say, because obviously Australia were unbeaten um, and you always feel like going into a final of a competition, if you're unbeaten, then maybe maybe they have you kind of want, want to lose one of those games so you don't have the awkward slip up, I guess, in the final. And England were also kind of peaking at the right time and he thought all oh, is... Is it upset on after the kind of narrative of the Ashes and England haven't won a game against Australia all winter? Is it going to be now in the World Cup final? Um, yeah, and then Australia pumped 356 for five off their 50 overs. <laughs> um, so there's some massive stand-up performances and obviously Australia won by 71 runs. But man alive. Elisa here at Healy, sorry, 170 opening the batting. Absolute nonsense. Um obviously um the wife of um another famous um Australian cricketer, uh Mitchell Stark. <laughs> so quite a quite a good 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 family of cricketers. A quick stat for you. So in this World Cup, Elisa Healy Elisa Healy, I'll say my words Healy Healy, 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 healy. um scored five hundred and nine runs, making her the leading run scorer of this World Cup. Um in the last Men's World Cup just gone in 2019, Mitchell Stark was the leading wicket-taker Aye. with 27 wickets. So they've had quite a good couple of World Cups between them. I can't wait to see how their children go career-wise. <laughs> I know. Christ. That's <laughs> unstoppable. <laughs> um, but everyone kind of pitched in. Rich Haynes, 68. Beth Mooney, 62. Elise Perry came in and smashed a few at the end, getting to 356. Um, England got it to 285 in the end. I mean pretty much all down to Nat Siver. Uh, 148 not out, left not out at the end. Um, Just needed someone to stay with her, to be honest. Um, I think that was probably the most frustrating thing from England's perspective, other than a few kind of drop catches um, in Australia's innings. Um, I think they'll be quite disappointed. I think their batting has been a bit kind of touch and go throughout the tournament. Um, But just for someone just to stick with Nat, so it's obviously good to bat on if someone's getting one hundred and seventeen, someone's getting one hundred and forty-eight. Um, I think they'll be disappointed that someone didn't didn't stick with her. Um, but yeah, have you got any thoughts about the final?
1: I mean, like just watching the game and the highlights again, like the shit, the strike rate and the pace which Australia were batting with. Like Healy's tournament strike rate is one hundred and three which is mental for the entire tournament to have that sort of consistency at such a high level is madness. And then the rest of her order, like there were two other 50s in there and the rest that didn't get 50s were still scoring at a decent rate. Like, what is this team?
0: They're pretty good. Uh, Another quick stat for you. Um, So, um... Out of um, the 19 World Cups in um, women's cricket being t- T20, ODIs, Australia have won 12. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, they're quite pr- pretty good. I mean, they had an extraordinary run a little while ago. Um, me I don't know the actual numbers, but they were unbeaten for a record number of games until I think India beat them. And obviously they've gone unbeaten this entire World Cup. It's, it's quite difficult to kind of look beyond this team in cricket to be like, has there been a more successful one? I mean, Elise Perry has been, you know, one of the great findings of Australian cricket for a long, long time. But for this World Cup, she didn't really do an awful lot, to be honest. So it just kind of shows you the real kind of depth in this Australian side that not everyone is coming in and performing, and the people do come in and do better, at least Perry missed the last two games, but they just got through those fine. It's just, yep, yeah, <laughs> it's
1: like, pretty even, good, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> like, even someone like Haynes, who, mm. like, mm. batting with Healy top of the order, her, she was going a bit slower, but then, mm-hmm. like, the partnership between someone doing that at a slower pace and someone going a bit harder, it just complements each other really well. And I feel like yeah. Australia have that through the batting order. They've got that with the bowling partnerships as well. It's for sure, yeah, a... yeah, round,
0: yeah, yeah, bowling so right. yeah, yeah. They're such a well balanced unit of a team. Like everyone knows their roles perfectly. Um, yeah, Alana King got three wickets as well. Probably standout bowler. Um, yeah, a, 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 an unbelievable effort to go for enti- uh, just again an entire World Cup unbeaten. And not really ever looking like you are going to lose a game. I think it's just madness. Um, like, whatever so the sport is... will winners. <laughs>
1: like, whatever the sport is, in a World Cup or, say, at Wimbledon, whoever wins mm. in the end will have mm-hmm. at least, like, one game where it's really close or they've lost. Yeah. And they've, it's like a little wobbly moment. But Australia didn't even have that. They just smashed it. From start to beginning,
0: massively, massively, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's you run you run out of superlatives for this team. Yeah. Like it's just, <laughs> I, yeah. I, again, I don't, I can't really. Yeah, I mean, uh, unbeaten in in seven games against also teams like South Africa, who only lost one of their games, obviously to Australia. Uh, and again, England again were coming right, peaking right at the right time. They thrashed South Africa in the semi final, which could have really easily been like a fall over. Um, Sophie Eccleston, also shout out Sophie Eccleston, number one um, bowler in the world. She got 20, 21 wickets Um, in the tournament, got six for her in that semi-final. Um, and you, 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 I just had a feeling like, oh, this is going to be, I think it's going to be quite close. It's all going to be building up to this, but it just shows the resilience and, you know, insane nature of his side. So I just like sweep it under the carpet, smash it all over the park and just get the job done it's just yeah, what what a team
1: what a team like you've got to give England a lot of credit just to get Mm. there like three straight losses I think it was right at the beginning of the tournament and then to like put that aside and just go on a run of their own and then even in the final itself like to post 285 chasing is pretty decent but then yeah (laughs) when you start to compare it to the other (laughs) score It's not that I it's not that England necessarily did badly, it's just they're playing a like a godly team. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they are god level. I think that's the best way to describe it, is that they are pretty much god level. They're OP. Um they are OP for sure. Um but yeah, I think that England score of two I think it was two seventy. I think in the end was um two eighty five, sorry, two eighty five I think was the highest successful chase well, not successful, not not successful at all, but the highest second inning score of the entire tournament. So it shows how well they did, but also frustrating that mm-hmm. no one could stay with that that entire time. Um, the next highest was South Africa chased down two seventy five against India, but it just shows really. It's, I think it's the second time Australia got over three hundred in the in the tournament as well. <laughs> Great like, effort!
1: <laughs> like it would have been really interesting to see how Australia would do chasing that two eighty five. Mm. Especially it being a final, would there be there is added pressure? But are they a team that like yeah. that
0: first? So it would be interesting, yeah. yeah but I would also just feel like they will probably get the job done. I feel like England just wouldn't have that. It's just coming out in a final and getting three hundred and fifty. It's mad. Like if you look back at the men's final in twenty nineteen, obviously it's a very different pitch and conditions, all that kind of stuff. But New Zealand just scraping to 240 because it's a real kind of scrappy final. But Australia just come out and get 350 like it's nobody's business. It's just like you know England will come out and look about. We want to get like 250 par. That will be our kind of aim and it's something to bowl at pressure of a final. But the mentality of Australia's come out and be like, no, we're going, we're going, we're going big and going 350. It's just again superlatives are run out of, but insane.
1: Like, the amount of work the Australian cricket board have to have put into the women's side is oh, huge really huge commendable. Huge, yeah. Like, it just shows Massive. you how much importance they put onto it. Just as a sport mm-hmm. in general, regardless of gender or, like, age group, like, the yeah. Australians really give a shit about cricket. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, it be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, okay. Um <laughs> But no, it's great, it's great. So I think overall I think this World Cup's been great the little bits I've been able to watch live have been really great it's always it's always fun kind of waking up and seeing scores and pretty much every game being a you know going right down to the wire um, it's been a great World Cup um, look very much forward to the next one where Australia probably win again um, but sadly it does mean since Australia did win that we're not going to see Joffre Archer as, as test captain has as agreed in the in the last podcast but <laughs> right. um, that's the but, yeah, biggest uh, loss to come from all of this. <laughs> it is indeed. But yeah, congrats to Australia, I guess. GG. Um, and good luck to Lisa Healy's and Mitchell Stark's child, who will you know, be the greatest <laughs> cricketer of all time, I'm sure. Um, other cricket, very briefly, Bangladesh got rolled over by South Africa. South Africa, I'm getting worried about. I think South Africa win against England this summer. Um, Maharaj got 7th in that second innings. Um, but yeah, that, that's a series that's just, just going to happen and we're going to forget about because most of South Africa's players are at the IPL. Um, I mean, I'll uh, be completely honest.
1: I didn't even mm, know it was going on.
0: There you go. Yep. <laughs> I'll give you a quick rundown of the score if you, if you are so inclined. Um, There's two test series. Uh, South Africa, 367. Bangladesh, 298. South Africa, 204 all out. Bangladesh, 53 all out. Um, what? Safka <laughs> <laughs> won by 220 runs, and yeah, Maharaj got, I think, seven for something ridiculous. I think seven for 732 in the final innings. Um, um. and Simon Harmer, who's making his first appearance in Safka since about 2015, he's been a cold pack player for Essex. Um, I think he got seven in the match as well. So, yeah, <laughs> I think we'll struggle this summer. Mm. Um, IPL is obviously going on, and that's that's happening. Um, <laughs> but the other main cricket that uh, I think we're going to touch about um, is obviously the start of the county championship which was today um, I think we've both got the scores up did
1: you want to go through the scores? Would you like me to go through the scores? How are uh, you vibing? I've got scores and some basic notes uh, mm-hmm. if you, Yeah, we can just go through okay. one at a time yeah. Yeah,
0: wait, I bought a little... Um, not a poll, but a little question out on, on our cricket Twitter, um, just not crick pod on Twitter and also Instagram. If you would like to follow, um, basically just asking, uh, what players are you looking most forward to seeing or following this season? Obviously there's a lot of England places up for grabs. Um, we had uh, a couple of people say Matt Parkinson, uh, James Vince, uh, Pajara is also going to be playing for, for Sussex soon as well. So, um, so that's one to look out for. Is there any particular player that you're wanting to... I think we've touched on it briefly before, but is there a player that you would like to see do well or looking out for?
1: Uh, Well, Parkinson's a good shell. I think Mm. uh, Hamid's playing in other matches. He's not batted yet, so I'm looking out for (laughs) Hassi doing well. It's interesting that Broad isn't the side for Nottinghamshire unless there's an injury or something I'm unaware so of. So he
0: he made himself unavailable for this game oh. um, just because he says he's managing his injuries in any way that he normally would. Obviously he's not technically in the England side at the moment um, but he has said that he's treating it like any other normal season um, that if he's, he's just preparing for that first test and he doesn't over push himself just coming from a long kind of layoff um, he's wanting to ease himself back into the into the season, he'll, he'll probably play the next game but I don't think he'll play, I think it's all seven, he obviously won't play all seven now Um, up until that first test so I think he's just kind of managing himself, obviously age about 35 now I think he is. Yeah, um, is a lot of people, a lot of shout being like a lot of people saying oh you could actually come and do win win for Nottingham, you shouldn't just be focusing on England but he's, he's one of the England's best bowlers of all time and if he needs to take more time to make more match fit you don't want him to like play four games in the trot and then get injured for the entire season. What's the point in that? So if he comes back when he gets ready, and that's that's
1: fine. I mean, that's his experience being a good like he's literally yeah. one of the longest-serving England players, one of the yeah. best England players. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone knows his body exactly and his yeah. rhythm and his form, it's probably yeah. Stuart Broad for sure. I think so, definitely, or, or Jimmy Anderson.
0: Or Jimmy, yeah, they're good
1: good pals. Um, So I'm just going to go through
0: whatever school card I opened up first. The first one I've got is Surrey v Warwickshire at Edgbaston. Um, Surrey batting first. They chose to bat. Uh, They're rain-affected. They got 168 for three. Uh, Rory Burns uh, returning, obviously, after a difficult winter. Got 41. Uh, Ryan Botel opening batting 75. Hash uh, only got two. Paulo Amler. Um, Olly Pope's currently 40 not out and Ben Folkes is 9 not out I'm sure those 40 runs from Ollie Pope look fantastic and like he's got to go out and score runs but you just think like the guy averages about 50-60 in county cricket anyway is it really Does it? Is it really going to equate to, to test match runs I think really I mean we, we meme about him a lot but I think with this game what I'm most intrigued to see is how Dom Sibley goes um, he's had a pretty good warm up or pre-season matches. I think he scored over 50 in most of those innings. He scored at quite a good strike rate as well. So he might have been working quite a lot over the winter over his technique and things like that. So I think it'd be quite an interesting couple of weeks, a couple of games, to see how Sibley goes. He could get knocked over and not score any runs and still bat at his normal rate. But I'm quite interested to see what kind of has changed or developed with Sibley over the winter. But obviously he's not batted at the moment.
1: Like, hopefully he's worked on a few things, yeah. But it it seems like a similar sort of... Situation to Ollie Pope where, Mm. you know, just prior to Sibley's call up, he was batting really well at county level. And I was like, yeah, Yeah. get this lad in. Like, look at his average, look at his hundreds. It's amazing. But then when he got up to test cricket, it's just like, it's just a step above. It's similar to Pope. Like, there's a clear level in between uh, county championship and test cricket that isn't bridged at all and yeah. you just have to be good enough basically like it's yeah really, you get
0: found out very quickly if you're not
1: yeah exactly like it's a really sort of basic analysis to make to just be oh you just have to be good enough for test cricket but when there's such a big jump there's no other test for test no. matches
0: no. yeah no i agree yeah massively um i also quite like ben folk's bang of five i forgive my all the sorry fans listening i don't know if he normally bats five for Surrey, but i think it's quite a good shout that he's bang at five to get more kind of batting exposure i think that's quite a good shout um do you have any stats for that game or anything else for that game we've got quite a lot to get through but any for
1: Surrey, warwickshire uh just sad that hamler scored two he's one of my favorite players of all time <laughs> oh poor hash
0: he's got all season to come again yeah. um Next one I've got open is Somerset, Hampshire, Somerset and Hampshire. Uh, Somerset uh, chose the bat uh, and then they got rattled out for 180 um, and then Hampshire, 109 for none. So good day for Somerset. Um, James Hildreth, um, probably one of the most unlucky guys to never play for England, got 87, top scored. Not really much else to shout about. Um, Leach and Craig Overton aren't available for this game, so they're not in the team. Uh, Lewis Gregory uh, injured as well. Um, Wicket's kind of shared around. Hampshire got a very good bowling attack. Mohamed Abbas, Keith Barker, Carl Abbott, Liam Dawson, quite a good good tag. Um, Then 109 for none uh, for Joe Weverley and Ian Holland. Um, Any thoughts on on, on that one for you?
1: You know what? I kind of think Hampshire are a little bit in the ascendancy here. Mm. I think they're on top. Yeah, do you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> also quite a big, big big game as well and big season for James Vince as well. Obviously, Captain Hampshire batting at four. Again, if he has a good start to the season, you never know. A lot of places up for grabs in this season of cricket. Um, next game, I've got Gloucestershire and North Ants. Not really much to say. A lot of rain today, but Gloucestershire got 164 for eight. Um not a great day over the bat, but a lot of rain affected. Um, but um, standout performance of the day, I'd say James Bracy batting at three, seventy-seven.
1: Like my notes on this game are literally fuck's sake gloss. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh.
0: Um, Bracy's holding report like, down all on is. his own. Like, I'm
1: yeah. Some again, help.
0: quite a big yeah big season again for Bracy, I reckon. You know, he bats it. Bats into top three, and then when he comes to play for England, he bats, you know, at seven, which is not his position. Probably came to England too early.
1: Another one of those players where county championship, Mm excellent. If there was another step up just before test match, that would be his level. Yeah.
0: Again, quite difficult to... I think, again, probably too early he came into the England set-up as well. Um, All kind of freak injuries to folks and everything. But um, he did get 100 for the England Lions against Australia in the winter, which featured an attack of kind of Mitchell Marsh and Scott Boland, who obviously averages like a nine in test cricket now. So there's, there's something there and I just hope that they don't necessarily call him up this summer or anything, just give him a season or two just to find his confidence. And, and I think he'll come again. I think he's too good to not come again or have another chance, uh, potentially next guy after folks maybe. Um But yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, Again, a lot of rain around today, so woo-woo. Um, next game, Glamorgan-Durham in Cardiff. Um, Glamorgan um, were put into bat by Durham. Um, only 47 overs possible. They got 164 uh, for loss of four wickets. Um, Colin Ingram, um, top scoring, 71 not out so far. Anything on that one for you? I mean, considering They've lost a lot of
1: time. It's a decent score, yeah. to be fair. Yeah.
0: Um, a shout-out to Andrew Solter as well um, for being the first batsman dismissed of the county championship season. Um, Matty Potts uh, with the first wicket of the summer, I say summer, season as well. Um, quick shout-out to the 100 as well, quickly, whilst we're at Cardiff. Um, they did all the draft nonsense earlier this week, um, but the Welsh <laughs> Fire have got their squad together. And there's not a single Welsh player <laughs> representing the Welsh Fire. So I can't wait to get behind the Welsh boys in the Welsh Fire this summer. Um, next game. Uh, I've got Middlesex and Derbyshire at Lords. Middlesex 307 for four. Full days cricket there. Love to see it. A um, lot of runs here. Um, Eskenazi 118. Um but I think probably even it's quite sad if he's got hundred and eighteen, but I think the most chat today is about Joshua Decares or Carres. I think i am gonna butcher that last name. I'm gonna say Decares. Um but obviously the son of um ex England captain Michael Averton, um mm-hmm. scoring his maiden domestic um fifty, so he's got eighty today. Um so it'd be interesting to see how he goes in his first kind of full fledged county season at Middlesex. Yeah.
1: It's, it's uh, what what's yeah. the story behind his name difference that's not something i think just
0: know. um his his mother and mike Averton just chose that for his surname um i don't think fair. it was anything to do with kind of pressure or living up to an Averton name for a cricket i think they just chose that surname for him i think there is an article on bbc about it or or one of the cricket publications but i don't actually know for sure um yeah. but I, I don't think it's anything to do with pressure or anything like that yeah fair play
1: um, what yeah. about Eskenazi as a possible shout for England? Like, I know oh, so... mm. I know he was born in South Africa, <laughs> raised in Australia, <laughs> but he's a dual Australian-English mm-hmm. nationality.
0: Maybe. I've seen a little bit of Eskenazi play, because obviously Middlesex is not too far from where I live, in um, a few kind of one-day games. It's always looked okay, mm. but never, like, stand out. Uh, I think he's uh, he averages just over thirty at in red ball, um, thirty eight in in fifty over, thirty six in twenty twenty. So again, like most players, probably more favourable for the white ball. But I mean, I guess if he puts in a big kind of performance over the summer, then maybe um, he might get a little looking. Um, but we'll see. I mean, from what I've seen, and I'm a, you know I, my opinion is final. <laughs> I don't, I don't quite see it England wise. Middlesex have quite a lot of rebuilding phase they're going through. They're still in Division Two, which I think is, is quite a poor showing for a for a team that has all the facilities of Lords and all North London. Um, but you never know if he has a good season potentially. Um, it did look like quite a good pitch to bat on today, uh, getting 3-7 for four. But we'll see. That's my nah, limited knowledge nah. of Stephen Eskazazi.
1: Nah, he's out. I'm off him now. He's gone. (laughs) That's it. Done.
0: Booted. Um, Right, we've got three more games. we will be as quick as we can. So I'm reading all these scores. They're probably going to be out of date by the time you're listening to this. Um, But Sussex got... uh, Sussex-Nottingham. Or in um, old... um, Old... Before England times, Nottingham is known as Snottingham, which I think is fantastic. Um, Sussex, 302 for six. Um... Again, quite a few shared around scores, probably stand out of the day. Tom Clark is currently eighty-two not out. Um, bowling wise, not really much to say. Liam Patterson White got a, got free there. Um but I'd say probably Sussex, Sussex is day for quite a young side as well. Um, any thoughts on that one?
1: I think, yeah, Patterson White's numbers are pretty decent. Got a catch as well. Mm. So from Nazis, good control. So yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: not bad, not bad. And obviously, yeah, Sussex going quite through a rebuilding phase at the moment. Um, quite young players, uh, lost a few players as well over the winter. So um, big rebuilding phase for Sussex. But yeah, it started well. Um, next one, Essex and Kent. Uh, probably one closest to my heart <laughs> in <laughs> cricket captain days. Uh, Essex two hundred and seventy two for four. Um, two hundred hundreds in this game. Nick Brown, 107. Um, and Sir Alistair Cook uh, with 100 as well. Um, but obviously a few late wickets in the day. Dan Lawrence not really adding anything. Uh, Jackson Bird from Australia getting two for, uh, And then Matt Quinn and Nathan Gilchrist showing the other wickets. Um, so what was looking like a very dominant day for Essex, it still kind of is, probably just finishes just in Essex's favour. If it can't start well, maybe that'll flip a little bit. Wait,
1: do you think this Cook lad... I've not heard of him before. Do you think he could play for England?
0: I reckon he could do a job, you know. Yeah, he started well. You don't see where he goes. He has a few more scores. You never yeah. you never know who might come knocking. <laughs> I just love that he still plays, to be honest. Um, I think it's quite nice that he just goes back and repays all the favour to Essex and this will be his third season since England. Um, I think it's quite nice to see. You have some players like Andrew Strauss who just retired fully from cricket when he was done with England. and It's quite sad, I think. Um, it's quite nice to see him go back and just smash attacks all over the plot which is great one last game um, and we've got Worcestershire, Leicestershire not a lot of cricket, only 26 overs today Worcester got 118 from their 26 and are 4 down Um, not really much to write home about other than Ed Barnard getting 41 not out at the end Um, and Chris Wright uh, for Leicestershire uh, getting 3 for 33, they have to have got Azir Ali batting at 3 which almost just slipped me by (laughs) former captain of the Pakistan, obviously in the Pakistan's team as well, but he was oh, yeah. run out for two. Yep, that that would be why it <laughs> slipped
1: you by. He, yeah, He did shit. Alas. <laughs> uh, um, any thoughts on that one being your local team? I mean, it seems suitably meh for
0: Worcester. It's a bit meh, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of what you expect. Yeah, But yeah, there's... that's that's our f- first county roundup, unless you've got anything else.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think there's much else to say. I don't think there's <laughs> any... Ridiculous scores going on. A couple of teams are already in the ascendancy. If there's, yeah. There's nothing too mad at the minute. No, not too mad,
0: Hampshire doing quite well. I think. Yeah, the, I think it's always that little kind of standout performances that you look out for. You want to see who's done quite well. And I think, um, Decare's obviously Atherton's son is quite a fun story to look at. And obviously, to see Cook do well. But it's always, a, always those kind of England players on the fringe. are always like having a refresh on the scorecard, to see, or how they're doing or they've not got any, oh, burned us out 41. It's yeah, quite interesting. I mean, yeah,
1: the, the surrey Warwickshire game is a good one for potential mm. England versus England yeah. selections. So that's a lot of kind of stuff one there. to look out for, yeah. I think so, definitely, for sure. Um, but yeah, that is our
0: county cricket roundup. Ba-da-ba. Enter jingle here, which we don't have. <laughs> um next time we'll be back and all those games will be over and we'll be back in round two of the county championship (laughs) they will have had several lunches and teas by then several lunches and teas um but yeah nice um shall we move on to our next segment let's move on so um wait hold on on. yeah sorry do Hmm. we
1: want to have a tea break first
0: Oh, yeah, let's stop for tea. Let's stop for 40 cool, minutes cool, for tea. Cool, cool, oh, cool. We've got a few good sausage rolls. No, it's the next segment. So, did you want to introduce this next segment? segment? It, it or is like, me
1: too? I will pass it on to you for this week. Yeah. You are, you are bearing the torch of it's just <laughs> I guess it's this is the intro to it's just not. This is critical segment. <laughs> for, for this week, it is yeah. your responsibility, and I'm trusting oh, you goodness. with it. Uh look
0: after it it, it, it may be, but yeah I'll try, I'll try like a little child, um, so we are back with it's just not cricket, and again, enter another jingle that we don't have um and quite a topical one for me, I would say, um over the years, but I think my it's just not Cricket this week is talking about the franchise state of a certain wizarding world um being Harry Potter. Um now first of all I just want to say that love Harry Potter, great, fantastic, and I don't think I would be really in position which I am now if I didn't have Harry Potter, you know. So I think writing wise it inspired me to do writing, all that kind of stuff. Um the people I met, the jobs, the house I'm in. But I also absolutely hate it <laughs> <laughs> right now. Um and I'm very annoyed by it, but at the same time I wouldn't be as annoyed about it. If I didn't really love it to some regard or some respects to, to seal um so I just want to ask you from the outset what's your general perspective about
1: Harry Potter at the moment at the moment i I find the sort of place it it's in a weird place like especially with the fantastic beasts series it's first of all it's a weird like moniker to use as a overarching series title when it's about like Grindelwald's rise to power and his like evilness during that time and pl- they they've had really bad issues with the actors <laughs> playing Grindelwald as well like they're on their third actor for in as many films right yeah like leaving aside the story problems <laughs> and like whatever else <laughs> Like, just having that is really hard for them to just, like... It's hard to, like, grasp on and, you know, you're meant to empathise with the villain to a certain degree. And when they're, like, literally changing face, like, sometimes they're meant to be with Colin Farrell. And it, well, it was Polyjuice, wasn't it, in the first film? Like Some kind of charm to
0: disguise him. It wasn't Polyjuice, but it was yeah. some kind of, yeah, charm to make him look like someone else or yeah. Ed Collin or oh, whoever whoever his name was <laughs> yeah
1: so like that's fine that's acceptable but like when you've got things out of your control that force you to change an actor that's going to be hard for you as creatives to kind of work around that like do you address it in some way or do you just like eh, no Mads Mikkelsen is Grindelwald now
0: yeah yeah and, you yeah know, no you, for sure
1: like the most <laughs> excited about the Potter universe, I am, at, like at the minute, is for the uh, Hogwarts Legacy game. That's like set a yeah. hundred or so years in the past. That, yeah, yeah that's hype Absolutely, Fantastic Beast series. <laughs>
0: I'm, uh, I, l- I listened to a good review earlier about the next film, which I don't really have any intention of paying to go and see. Um, that it's they said it was probably the best film in this forgettable series but it's still very forgettable. And I think that just sums it up perfectly. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of lot of issues. And it's, again, uh, briefly on Grindelwald and all that kind of stuff. With all these changing of actors and all this stuff, it's just the classic kind of Hollywood case of this bad guy is bad because we're telling you he's bad. Mm-hmm. And you've got to try and believe that. And it's nonsense. But my problem overall with Harry Potter is that before you can even get to the films or the critique, you've got all the crap that comes with it. You've got everything with J.K. Rowling at the moment, with all her kind of trans comments, which I don't want to get into because I don't even want to give her time of day. Um, you've got all this new Ezra Miller stuff that's come out in the last few days of him kind of assaulting someone in a pub or club in the US. Um, and then Warner Brothers having to do an emergency meeting about what we're going to do about his future WB projects. But that's good, great. Great choice in, in hiring there. Uh, obviously, the whole Johnny Depp stuff. So now Johnny Depp was in the franchise for reasons I don't really understand. Anyway, um, but then he's gone. And obviously, Mads Mikkelsen's in great. You've then got the public perception of Harry Potter, which is who cares? Um, because like, if you you if you ask a kid, um, and I or a lot of children who watch Harry Potter, or or people who or children who are the children of people who grew up with Harry Potter and want their children to share the same experience because they've loved it and gone through it as well. They have a completely different experience to Harry Potter. They get it all at once, whilst, you know, with the books and the films, people of our generation grew up and grew up with the books, so each, each story is the next segment in your life, I would say. But with children who are being basically forced to watch it because their parents think it's going to be great for them, and fair enough... But they're getting it all in one go, whatever. They might enjoy it for a couple of years, but then it's gonna die out and go. And I've seen that quite a lot over the years. Um in that and I think the general perception as well, one of my friends told me that it's it's perceived as quite in commas <laughs> cringe to like Harry Potter now if you're in school or whatever. Because it's a thing that your parents like. Oh, so wow. it's so Harry Potter is not really a thing. I don't really see for many people now, because it's not for kids, because what child is thinking like, I can't wait to go to cinema to see Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, I know all this lore being eight years old, they're not going to care. They'd want to see like broomsticks and Quidditch and stuff for like 10 minutes and then get bored and go on to something else, which is fair enough. There's there's stuff their age that they want to go watch. I mean, they might be massive into Marvel and there's another Marvel film out every two months or whatever, and that's something that they can grow up with and watch and all that kind of stuff. But Harry Potter is something that's passed them by and it's not their thing. So that's okay. that's another thing. So once you've gone through all that, <laughs> you can then watch the films, which are bog-standard films made by committee, which are a complete mess and complete waste of time. Um, so I can't, I can't really bother to talk about them. But the <laughs> the main problem I find with Harry Potter... I'm off my long run today. I've been building this up until I actually left working for The Wizarding World. Um, <laughs> is the franchising of it. That's, I think, a, a real problem in all kind of, shall we call, I don't know, nerdisms or who cares, you know, like you know, DCs and Marvels and Doctor Who and all that kind of stuff, Lord of the Rings. The whole franchising, the main thing when Harry Potter finished the film, last film, 2011, for Death Hallows Part 2, um, at that time, I think a lot of people had a huge amount of respect for Jacob Rowling say, that is it, nothing more. We're finishing the story there. We've gone through this journey. That's it. Going to go on to new things. Um, but then it was about 2015, 2016. All of that just got flipped on its head. And in my kind of perception, I feel like it's because there was a franchise deal that must have been signed somewhere for suddenly everything to happen. So I'm going to go for a quick list um, okay. of all the things that have happened <laughs> since 2015 to now, I've probably missed quite a lot as well, but this is all the general stuff that has come out, which you could say potentially oversaturates the market. Um, mm. so, so you have kind of exclusive brand deals Harry Potter and Primark, Marks and Spencer's next boots, just a few just to go off on. What? Um, you have loads of mobile games. You have, I can't remember the actual name for it, but basically the Harry Potter knockoff of Pokemon Go. Um, yeah, which yeah. closed quite recently because it wasn't doing very well, shockingly. But they brought it out like two years after Pokemon Go, so there you go. Um, there was Hogwarts the Mystery, which I think is still going, which is uh, basically buy as you play game on your mobile, which you have to keep yeah. buying more gems to progress the score stories. So that's good. Um, there's a Harry Potter pa- candy crush knockoff as well, so that's quite oh, good. Fuck off. Um, you've got the Studio Tour, which obviously it's previous. stuff with me that has been expanding (laughs) over the last couple of years Um, so you've got things like Forbidden Forest and Gringotts um, which have been built so not actual sets from the films these have been built especially for the tour they never existed and they're just being made fake basically so this whole studio tour which opened initially to be like here's an insight into the behind the scenes of the Harry Potter films now let's just build stuff uh, which wasn't authentic or real have a look at that that's great um, then there's going to be a new studio tour in Japan, so the making of Harry Potter in in Japan, because we need a second one. Um, there's Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, um, obviously in two parts, because, you know, I, you, you want make sure people pay twice. I was wondering when we'd get to the Cursed Child. <laughs> cursed Child, I'm not going to go into the deep specifics. If people want to hear that in the future, sure, but we, not today. <laughs> um, so, and then Fantastic Beasts, so the first Fantastic Beasts films and the Cursed Child came out in the same year. Um so here we go, the same kind of everything's coming out at once. Um suddenly you have merch everywhere. So I remember growing up you have um it was impossible to find a Harry Potter thing. I was obsessed Harry Potter as a child. Loved it, I couldn't get enough. But there was like um in Blue Water Shopping Centre, um not too far from where I live now, um there was a Warner Brothers shop which had Harry Potter stuff exclusively because you could get this nowhere else. There wasn't like things probably like Amazon when I was like seven or eight or anything like that. There was just a little section in Warner Brothers shop in, in Blue Water, which had a tiny little Harry Potter section, which had all the kind of robes and things like that, which were, uh, weren't all massively licensed at the time. But it was like, oh my God, there's Harry Potter things. Oh, I can't believe it. But now you can go anywhere. You could probably go down Tesco's and there'll be a Harry Potter thing in like a little Tesco's extra. So that's great. We love to see that. Um, anniversaries of the books which come out so there was a 15 year anniversary edition of the Philosopher's Stone, there's now going to be a 20 year anniversary edition of the Stone coming out I think soon this year so that's, that's fun <laughs> um, another exhibition open in London, Covent Garden photographic exhibition, waste of time um, Harry Potter shops at King's Cross New York City um, airports specific Harry Potter shops um, you've then got the Hogwarts Legacy game which granted is the only thing I'm looking forward to Um, you've got the UK wand tour where they're taking these massive about 10 foot sized wands and putting them up and down the country where people can go and have pictures of these giant wands that's going to be good Um, then you had the 20 year uh, reunion which recently um, aired on HBO Max and Sky (laughs) so all of that's come in the space of less than 10 years Um, and we've not had a new Harry Potter film since 2011
1: you were doing so, all of
0: that, <laughs> and I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's just the big ones, you know. And I'm pretty sure I've missed some. But that's that's a level where it's like this is too much. This is this is boring now. Like you, you're just completely oversaturating saturating this market of of a franchise that's beloved by you know a generation. And, you know, quite a, a massive fundamental thing for its time. And it's just turned into a thing of, like, how do we milk every penny? And it's just very upsetting to me, I think, personally. Um, it, but If you're looking yeah. at the
1: books and the films, when they came out mm. originally, they felt mm-hmm. very self-contained. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, not to sort of criticise the books for this, but they are a <laughs> young adult <laughs> series. Of course they are. Of course they are. Yeah. Like, how, how can you expand on that? Like, in a Non-materialistic way, like how can it not be shallow? Yeah, and they are. What there is no expansion really you can do on that that doesn't sort of undermine what the series was. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And there, there is so much of what you just listed that oh my god, it's a lot. I, yeah, like yeah, like um, how do Warner Brothers even? Remember the amount that they franchised for
0: it's nonsense isn't it like you, you just you don't even want to think about the money they make from this. It's just absurd, but um just bought by a load of casuals who yeah can't let go of harry potter but um but it's and I think I think it's just really epitomized in fantastic beasts, so they're just they are films like I think Brent mentioned earlier they are just made by committee. They're directed by David Boring Yates, um, who directed the final four Harry Potter films. Um, and, you know, each film gradually took away any kind of colour and joy and magic and turned it into grey, boring spectacles. And then reflected that into the Fantastic Beast franchise, which we love to see. Um, CGI to the max. One of the things that I love so much about the initial Harry Potter films, obviously they're products of its time, a bit like Lord of the Rings, they had to rely on minimum CGI and mostly practical effects. And I think the practical effects they were able to achieve at that time look fantastic. The animatronics they did for some of the creatures were brilliant. The models are still some of my favourite things in cinema. Um, and they work really well on screen. Obviously, there's some bits of dodgy CGI there and there for kind of 2001, and one two films, but you can kind of let it go because most of the time it looks real. Fantastic Beasts is not real, anything at all. Um they rely too much on nostalgia and that kind of nostalgia bait like most kind of things tapping back to old stuff people used to like um so there's plenty of that um and it's just all the same old people the same screenwriter same producers there's no freshness no new if you really cared about this franchise or the story i think you would look at what new directors can we bring in what new visionaries can we really add to this wizarding world to really start it again? Because, you know, people have been crying out for a kind of Marauders film or things like that, but or like the Hogwarts Legacy game, which everyone's been chomping at the bit for for ages, and now we're kind of getting it. And I think it shows real testament to how people really want to see and play Hogwarts Legacy because it's new, because it's fresh, because it's written by fans and people who care about this world, as opposed to the Fantastic Beasts, which... I, I couldn't tell you really what happened in the first two films, and I was initially professionally qualified to know about Harry Potter stuff. <laughs> I couldn't tell you why I should care about those two films. Um I think I, I spoke to someone at work the other day who's be, who I was trying to explain Harry Potter stuff to, and why it's not really liked. You know, they'd be like, "Oh, I quite like Harry Potter," but you can guarantee that they haven't seen Fantastic Beasts. And I think people are relying, on WB are
1: relying that people are going to see this because they love Harry Potter. Like, I love the idea that someone's just like, oh, I like Harry Potter. And you just go into like an hour-long rant. Of, 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 <laughs>
0: Why or, you or, shouldn't or, love Harry Potter? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because that's, again, like, like I said at the beginning,
0: I love Harry Potter. But right now, I just hate the state it's in. Mm-hmm. I just think it's devoid of any kind of passion and love or anything that's gone into it. It's about how on earth can we make money from this? And I think, you know, Lord of the Rings has, as another example, hasn't really done any kind of franchising. I mean, it may do a little bit when the series comes out on Prime, but they both came out at similar times. But Lord of the Rings is still beloved. People will still go back and watch Lord of the Rings in the same way. Obviously you go and visit Hobbiton in New Zealand, but that's never going to expand or change massively. You can love and appreciate Lord of the Rings. You don't have to have a new thing franchised every two months to remind you that you should love this thing so I think that's I don't know if that's even a conclusion <laughs> but that's kind of the ramblings of my head like it's just I just sense panic that they feel like Harry Potter is going to die and it's probably going to go quicker than they think and they're just panicking to be like how can we make people still care about this Yeah, when probably I mean- they've sped up its decline
1: yeah for sure like especially with like just going with the formulaic, market-produced films that you just have David Yates on for every film because Cause he's cheap because he's a yes man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's also a wider issue with like franchise cinema. To use that disgusting term, like I think it was Patty Jenkins was left a Wonder Woman film because, uh, the, I think that's Warner Brothers as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 It's a trend. Because. Yeah. Because. They wanted a more basic film. Like Edgar Wright left uh, one of the Ant Man films because his ideas were a bit too out there. And then, like, you look back to the first three Potter films, like, they've all got their own sort of spirit, their own creative ingenuity. Like, I'd say, yeah, yeah, I'd say definitely. definitely. And then, and then you've got Alfonso Cuaron, who's like a genius filmmaker in his own right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those three films sort of embed the themes and the atmosphere from the books into those films and it feels natural and then you get to like Goblet of Fire which as a film I still like but the like so the... yeah the fourth
0: one's by Mike, Mike Newell so David Yates didn't do that one but that was Mike Newell for Goblet of Fire which I think it's fine I don't I don't mind Goblet of Fire um interesting like story the... with yeah i go on.
1: yeah like the tone is all over the place mm. like is it oh sure. a quirky funny <laughs> Teenage sort of <laughs> comedy film, or is it a dark as fuck? Yeah, Voldemort is back and he's going to kill this bloke. Yeah, no, no this no, bloke, sure. this child, and then he actually yeah. kills a child. Yeah,
0: what do you want to be? <laughs> I agree. With the fun fact you might not know about *Goblet of Fire*. Um, for anyone who I did work with will know this so much. Um, but originally Warner Brothers wanted *The Goblet of Fire* to be two films. Um, and yeah, they I wanted think. to really, they would want you know it's. Money, um and Mike Newell. Credit to him as being like, no, I think this story can only be told in one. And I mean, obviously, I'd, I think it's fine. I don't think it's anywhere close to the first three, but I enjoy it. It's still, a hell of a lot better than the last four. um So I, I just think it's just, that. That was kind of decline when when you. I think Warner Brothers realized at that point they're going to have directors be like against their viewpoints of what they want commercially wise. What are the ways that we can go to make it as commercial as? profitable as possible let's get david yates who hasn't directed anything of note and let's get um him just to pretend that he's holding the camera and making decisions when it's actually us putting the strings
1: just rinse and repeat dave rinse and repeat
0: exactly like there's there's nothing i could tell you about this next fantastic beast film that i'd be excited or enthralled to see because i know it's just going to be dark moody gray Good versus evil. Let's let's cram in some Potter references. Let's chuck Hogwarts in there again. Like, like there's nothing about it that can be like, oh, exciting.
1: Like the only thing I've got is like Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen for sure. Definitely yeah. smash it. Like he was. Yeah. Like Hannibal's my one of my favourite TV shows, and he's just an mm-hmm. incredible actor. So I'm sure he'd be incredible as Grindelwald. I think so, definitely. But again, it's, if
0: he had been there since the start would make sense but they don't really know what they're doing what they're thinking (laughs) that's and they go johnny depp gosh sorry i feel like i've ranted a lot about harry potter and i feel like there's probably more to come in next episodes um but like i feel like i've had a lot of years to get stuff harry potter stuff stuff off my chest um for anyone who didn't know i used to um do guided tours that people used to have to pay 225 pounds for so i like i I feel like i might have some harry potter stuff to say (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) you've got some repressed
0: potter (laughs) rage. yeah but again I think if anyone's kind of listening to us, being like oh but I like Harry Potter that's fine I have no problem with liking Harry Potter because I like Harry Potter it's great a Lot of I love a lot of it Prisoner of Azkaban is probably in my top five favourite films easily but I think the state it is right now it needs someone fresh someone new to come in and look after it <laughs> in the same way I hope that Russell T Davies is going to do it the Doctor Who but that's a whole other can of worms and we're not going to go in there just now Um, I think that's all unless you've got any of kind of Harry Potter things I feel like this has just been me doing a
1: monologue for a little while but have you got any other kind of thoughts I mean I think you've covered everything (laughs) pretty well it's like yeah no if I start talking about the cursed child that'll be (laughs) yeah
0: that's I think we can maybe in the future episode we can go into specifics of these kind of films and whatever that's fine Um,
1: and I've got a couple of topics yeah like nonsense topics on Harry Potter that are just going to be great to discuss
0: for sure, absolutely. And I can't wait to play Hogwarts Legacy. And I, Same. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I, I, it frustrates me that it, it gives money again to this kind of franchise and, you know, JK. Um, but that's... that's it's, a, it's, it's the best game at the wrong time, is what I can probably sum it up as. But no, I love Harry Potter, and I've had a few great memories from working within that kind of world. Um, and I only say this from a position of someone who really wants it to succeed and it's very much not. Um, but anyway, back to this cricket podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think we're going to be slightly longer today, but I think you've got a silly point to finish us off with.
1: I did. So, I like, I was thinking earlier this week about England's golden era, when they were number one test side in the world, and, like, specifically their bowlers, like Jimmy, Broad, Swan, Bresnan, Finn, mm-hmm. Monty yeah. Panassar, mm-hmm. like, others that were involved yeah. like I was thinking like if they were in a boy band <laughs> which kind of like archetypal boy band member would they be? Right. That, that, that sort of like led me on to like if you're making a boy band out of the current active England players like who would be in it? Who'd be in it? I feel oh gosh like, Um. I, I think Stokes is definitely in it
0: Do you reckon? I don't think Stokes. I I don't see Stokes as a kind of band guy. I don't know.
1: Um, I think I think he's like your conventionally attractive, kind of sort of standoffish, but kind of nice when you like. Yeah, it it takes a lot for him to laugh. But sure, I'm going. Well, okay,
0: yeah, I'm going. Ben folks on guitar. Ah.
1: Um, Oh, you're going proper band, not boy
0: band. I, yeah, I, I, I can't see a boy. I just don't. I struggle to see a boy band. <laughs> I don't see a boy. Ollie, I, if you're doing a boy band, it'd be Ollie Pope, Dan Lawrence, Zach Crawley. Um, I don't know, Hassim Hamid. That there's there's your little boy band. <laughs> 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 or Sam Curran. Sam Curran would be in it. Sam and Tom Curran, Hassim Hamid, uh, and Ollie Pope. There's your boy band. Nice. <laughs> but I think if you're going rock band, I'd have. Um, Ben Folks on on guitar, Um, on drums, Jack Leach, Um, lead singer, probably Joe Root, he does do a bit of singing, Uh, bass, probably Jimmy, because I feel like you want that kind of older statesman in the band, Um, (laughs) and then like backing vocals, I don't know, like Bumble. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah. Would you have any different in your band? <laughs> um, like in my, I'll, I do boy band because. Okay. Yeah. That's much more fun. I think Stokes would be in there for me. Okay. Okay. Fine. Uh, I think that's
0: going to be more like a West Life though, if you because Stokes is yeah, no, like slightly older, so I feel like you're yeah, going no. more of a take that West Life vibe.
1: Like I've not taken into account like age or anything.
0: Okay. I'm, as a as a yeah as the agent of this band. I'm I am. <laughs>
1: okay. Cool. Well, Stokes, <laughs> Stokes is in there. Like okay. he's the most marketable one. Like think of him as like the Robbie Williams almost. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. He won't leave and be a dick. <laughs> like, you've got to have Joffre in there. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah. just cool as anything. Yeah. You know. Sure. Definitely. Um, I I kind of like the current double act in there. Yeah, I like, like that. It's a nice sort of marketable. Yeah. Thing to have. Uh ah, the brothers boy band. Fun. Yeah. And like, as yeah. a kind of you kind a of want
0: team. them to be twins, but they're not quite twins, which is a shame.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe you can have someone like Saqib in there, yeah. who's also like, a bit more of a vanilla pick. But... <laughs> yeah, And then, like, as a bit of a curveball, Jack Leach. <laughs> yeah, like, he's I he's just. So. That, I want Jack Leach in both the, my rock the, band and my boy band. For sure. Like, in the boy band, he's that sort of, like, quiet one. Yeah. <laughs> when he thinks, he's got a voice of an angel, and like when they get to that number where they all take off their shirts inexplicably, he is fucking ripped. Gosh, yeah. Love that.
0: I feel like I think Cook would want to be in it, obviously, because he's a choir singer back in the day. But I feel like Cook's the retired um, band manager now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't quite live up to the hype of it anymore, but he wants to still be around somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's the one booking gigs at Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, not not Wembley. He's booking the gigs at Lords and.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Old Trafford and stuff like that. Oh gosh, I'd love that. I can't kind of just imagining it now. And also, Joe Root oh, plays I ukulele as well, so you can bring that along in his little guitar oh, and stuff. That'd be great.
1: Yeah, I yeah, you know, I kind of like to have Mo and Eddie Rashid as backup. Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be I, great. I, I, spin twins is,
0: <laughs> Oh my god, I didn't expect it to go there. But oh right. god, I, I, that's a fun silly point, that's quite a good hypothetical. I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah I do think it's going to be probably the longest episode we've done so if you have listened this far I do appreciate it we do appreciate it thank you very much Um, we'll be back soon for more kind of rants and raves I imagine Um, maybe we'll do something for Jamie to rant about next if if you've got anything to get off your chest feel free Um, (laughs) obviously there'll be more county championship cricket not sure when our next one's going to be obviously a lot of cricket going on in in County setup IPL mm. and that second test between Bangladesh and South Africa, lest we forget. Um, but if you want to know when our next podcast is going to be, um, just follow us on all the little socials at just not crick pod on Twitter and the Instagram, also on YouTube as well. If you want to like and subscribe, um, feel free. Thanks, ring everyone. that Ian bell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, um, uh, ring that Ian bell, bell, bell. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Anything else from you this week, Jamie? Before we sign off,
1: that that's all. Well, that'll be closed. No, no more lunch. No more tea. that's close the play. We've had all our food. <laughs> Time to end.